Hi. Hi. I'm Alexis Hyde. I'm Erica Wong. And this is Hide or Practice. This week, we have former fashion photographer and art advisor at large, uh, Jacopo Moskin. Welcome and thank you. Hi, thanks for having me. Amazing. Um, so happy to have you here this week. Would you mind telling our lovely listeners just a little bit about yourself so they can know why they are so lucky to have you in their ears today? Uh, well, well, my name is Jacopo Moskin and i um, as you said, I'm a, I'm a former fashion photographer. Um, I'm still a photographer and um, I've been doing that for about 10 years now professionally. And I started a production company focused on helping brands create content. Um, and then I, um, I also just started uh, an art advisory focused on finding specialty are pieces for clients that I hunt and look for throughout Europe or Asian markets. Incredible. I love it. So Jacopo, tell us, where did you find your community? Uh, well, I think a lot of uh, my community, um, I found it through work. Um, and so I built up a community of people that I, that I trust and that I and that I like to have around um, over the years. And I've been lucky enough to have known some of them for a very long time. And, um, and you know, in, in a way, um, these are the people that I value the most because they have been with me for, for such a long time. But I also find that um, not being too strict about what you do and just always have a curious um, mentality and like a very open mind like it's an, an amazing way to enlarge your community in in a, in, a, in you know in the in the widest sense possible so having a lot of interest having a lot of passions and kind of like um, have an open mind to what you feel it's uh it's not something that you relate to or that it, that it doesn't fit you professionally it's always good to go there because you can build even more community and you can find areas of contact so i think that's how i developed it this is great because i don't think we've touched on this this season yet but i think we have a little bit in the previous seasons how much like your other interests can help with your community like it's not just like oh i work with like i'm a photographer and this is my you know the person whose studio i rent or the person who you know where i get like props but it's like there's other places and you don't ever know when who those people could be, what kind of potential creative, you know, flowering situation you could get out of that just because it doesn't feel like it's, you know, hundred percent in line with what you're doing. And I think also that's really freeing to think about how you can, it's, you know, your passions can just serve you creatively and feeding your soul, but also like down the line, it could be actually helpful. You don't know why, why cross that off? That's really Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I found that sometimes it's hard to venture out, uh, out of your comfort zone, but usually you make the most um, interesting um, connections when you do that. Um, and then you find, you know, you have so many things in common and you didn't think that those two things could have things in common. And then it's just a revelation and just keeps your mind going, you know? 
Absolutely. For sure. And, and also think- because people have different perspectives as well. Yes. So you never know, right? Like you can, and people change. So like somebody that you may have been friends for 20 years, like all of a sudden you might feel like all of a sudden you've drifted apart and you change and you don't believe in the same things anymore. You have different values. And so it's really nice to go and find people, even if it doesn't seemingly on the surface seem like you guys would be a match to be friends and then all of a sudden it's like we have the same support system or we have the same values and it's really nice to have that yeah I feel like it's uh, I would say that I like to think of myself as a child in a playground um, where you know you might have some kids that you love hanging out with and there might be some others that you don't you know you just look at them and you feel like you, you don't belong there but those usually are the ones that you need to approach and go through I love that that's so wholesome that's like really pure. I really, really love that. I also think well, we haven't talked about this season either, but this brings up a good thing is that this is a two-way street also, right? So say you have a passion in, you know, I'm going to say book binding. I don't know why. Um, probably because I'm having a book bound right now, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, you maybe, you know, that's useful to have and that's a fun passion to have, but like, you never know if that book binder is going to need an art advisor or they're going to, you know, they're going to need somebody who does like a photo shoot and they're going to need a production house or, you know, a product project manager for a new creative project. So it does go both ways. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to need support in the future for projects. I don't know, or I have questions about, you know, my current project and maybe this person's going to have information. It's also going to go the other way. And that's also really exciting because I know in my career, people have been, you know, oh, I don't know, like anybody know who an art person is. And someone will be like, oh, I have an art person, meet Alexis, you know, and that's been a really fruitful way to get, you know, clients to have, you know, new artist relationships, um, especially when you kind of have these, you know, in these create in our creative industry, so many of us wear so many different hats. And so it's just really nice because it does go both ways. And then you are part of another person's community too, which feels very good. That's a very yeah. good feeling to have. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes. So you were doing the fashion photography and then now you're still doing photography. What made you change? Was it just to get into your own kind of production company to like make it like broader or was there like any impetus or was this just like more of a, Hey man, it's a Tuesday. Let's try something new. Yeah, well, I think uh, I would say the major force that made me um, realize that um, I, I did not just want to be a photographer is that over the years, um, since when I started, the industry has changed a lot. And so in keeping up with the times, um, the role of the photographer has shifted too. Um, so it's not just, you know, like a photographer that you hire um, and, uh, you know, the photographer is an agent and you pay rides for advertisement and whatnot. It's more, it, be- it became more of a consultancy. And so, you know, you hire a photographer for, for, for what, for his eye. And, uh, the, you know, some brands need um, to produce a lot of content just because nowadays, you know, with social media and all of that, brands are just like, they need to just like always keep up and always come up with something new. And so the whole role really shifted, you know, and, 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 and they needed more support also for smaller productions. And, you know, they couldn't afford to pay $100,000 on a small campaign, on a small social campaign, because they just needed to come out with some images to, you know, for a new product drop or something like that. And so at, at the end of the day, it kind of came natural to me that it's, it's something that you have to do if you want to uh, stay relevant in the industry. You know, and I, I didn't want to um, transform myself into a big production company. So I always kept it extremely small 
it's a niche production company. We don't have a lot of clients and, and, you know, we just do, we just want to stay small. You know, we don't want to get big, you know, that that's, that's not my goal. I am still a photographer. I love that. That reminds me of what we talked about when we talked to Connie Matisse about like the adaptive tenacity, you know, things change and that's fine. It's normal and you change with it and you can grow yeah. and you can find new areas of your own creative industry that you didn't even know existed before yeah. make new niches. And that's really exciting stuff. It's a little bit scary, but it it's is, really but exciting. I, but I love that term adaptive tenacity. I didn't think right? of it that way, but, but, but it's, it, it's fitting. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, no, when she said, when she said that on the podcast, I was like, no, it's adaptive tenacity, but it's so true. And it's hard. Sometimes it can feel unnatural, but it's, I mean, it's so exciting to think of, of the new places you can go and the niches you can create. And that's, I don't know. I think that's really beautiful. I yeah. Think, so I'm going to ask you something probably quite dumb. So when you were a photographer, did you ever think, or when was the moment that you were like, this is going to be a business rather than me just clicking? Mm. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I don't really exactly remember um, the moment where it clicked for me. I think it just happened very organically. Um, I started with, you know, taking photos for a show that I wanted to put up in, in Milan. I was fortunate enough to have a gallery let me their space for that show. And I was living in London at that time. And it just got, you know, that got me started. And then I realized that, you know, people from the editorial world were interested in my work, you know, and they wanted to hire me and they wanted to pay. Um, and then from that, I think I just realized organically, you know, I can be of help to, to brands, you know, and, and that's also what I've been always looking forward to do. You know, I always, you know, um, read magazines, looked at images, you know, always investigated how brands were communicating to the customers, you know, and campaigns. And I've always been, quite knowledgeable in, in the whole fashion imagery making industry. Um, and so it just came naturally at one point. I love that. And I want everybody who's listening to like make note of the words that Yako was using because like he, you were, had a skill and you had a talent to give to the brands. Like you were of use and that was a value. And that means an exchange of money <laughs> or <laughs> some sort of goods because you're not, you know, it's, you were giving them something that they don't have. And I think that a lot of artists, you know, we get in creative side, it's like, oh, like, I don't even know. But it's like, no, the, the brands need you. The collectors want art. They need the artists to have the art. The, somebody needs the photo taken. Someone needs the painting done um, or the commission, you know, made. And it is really good to remember that mindset of you, you are of value. And because it's very easy to get like caught up in the, Oh, am I ever going to get another job? Or am I ever going to get another gig? But there is an exchange there and it's not a one-way street again, guys, two yeah. way streets here. Absolutely. Yeah. And it might be hard at the beginning, you know, if yes. you're starting out or when you're young, you just like, you're just, you're just very confused about how it works, you know, but mm -hmm. then later on you, you get it. And then it becomes, I'm not saying it becomes fully transactional because with these creative jobs, you know, there's, you know, there's an aspect of, you know, there are brands that, that you will love to work with, you know, and then you be like extremely content of like, you know, just like working almost for free because you just love them so much. You, you think they, they fit your aesthetic. But then again, you know, you, you know, you have to remember um, we live in a capitalistic world and everybody has to pay their bills. So exactly. it's, a, it's a two way street there, too. Yeah. 
they're not taking clout at my grocery store yet, but one day, (laughs) (laughs) but that's no, but it is. But again, that's also good to remember. It's an organic industry. There are, there is give and take. Yes. Like I've worked for less money than I probably deserved on things, but like also, you know, I would put up with less abuse if I'm not getting paid as much, I will probably put up with more abuse or, you know, something if I'm getting paid like my full rate. Um, but there is like these adjustments and there are, you know, good people that we do things for for favors. And then again, like our passions and our community long-term, you don't know where that's going to go and how that favor is going to return. Totally. So it's really good to think big picture. I think. Amazing. (laughs) Everything you've just said, literally, I was lecturing that last week to my students. I'm like, okay, know what your asks are. And they're just like, what are asks? And I was like, asking what you need. And yeah, and but sometimes it's like when you don't know what your value is and being able to recognize that to say that is a value to X. So then therefore I won't have an ask. And then also Jacopo, when you were saying it's like, it's almost I'm willing to work for free. And it's like, I know that like when you love something so much, it's like, I'll just do it for you because I love it. And then but then in my head, it was like, no, because the value has to be like, oddly as human beings like we have to assign that like economic value on something in order for people to truly quote-unquote value you because you know your like symbolic value isn't quote-unquote good enough and I was like no don't work for free (laughs) correct yes (laughs) it's a tricky dance and I think that you're right though too and saying it's when we're younger we really don't know and we're kind of doing our missteps and we're failing and we take the wrong jobs for free and we ask for too much money from the wrong person and it is just an experience thing but again back to your community you can ask people who've been there before you do you think this is a good idea do you think this is a bad idea you know you can always wait you don't have to answer the email right away you can tell someone you're going to think about it let me get back to you you can lie and say i'm going to check my schedule and i'll get back to you even if you know your schedule's 100 free And you can run it by somebody because especially when you're younger, you don't know. And as things are changing, you don't know like, okay, well now there's this new, you know, app or this new thing. Like, I don't know what I should charge for, for this kind of a thing or this kind of an interaction or, you know, I see that NFTs are going for millions of dollars. Should my NFT be millions of dollars? Should I be, you know, it's, it's a lot. And so that's again, community guys. Yeah. And I think you, you touched upon a point that um, when I was younger, um, I probably did not do enough, which was asking for help, you know, asking mm-hmm. for advice, which is great having a community because you, you, when you're starting out, you might be afraid of asking for advice because it might put you in a position where, you know, you just look like you don't know what you're doing. But again, it's totally fine, you know, and you should just own it and you should just ask for help and you will just progress much faster. Yeah, so I wish I did that even more, but same. I'm just saying oh, it out there for whoever is listening. Hard same. Oh my gosh. I wish I could tell 23-year-old Alexis, like, just ask. Just ask whoever. Nobody cares. And everyone, oh my God, I did so much asking that oh, I'm oh, like so opposite so to good at it. Oh my God. So I'm good. like, I literally will write in emails, like cold emails. It's like, help me. <laughs> and I then wish. like back in the day, if I could actually have the sound recording of like, help me, I would have done it. Because it's just like, I basically am just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying really hard here to understand what I'm supposed to do. Can you please just help? Like basically was like every email that I sent to people. So even when I was getting internships at Liberty or whether I was working at Matthew Williams and I was just like, help me. I just want to work. I just want experience. And they were like, okay. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) That's a great skill to have. Great. Such a good skill. And everybody says yes. Right. 
a lot of people say yes. A lot of people, not everybody. Yeah. A lot of people say yes. Nobody shames you for not knowing. I mean, that's the thing. Like there's just no one's, anybody emails me a question, asks me something on, you know, TikTok or Twitter or wherever, slide into my DMs and ask me questions. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say no, like, I'll help you. I don't want you to make the same mistakes. I, did. I know wrong, guys, if you start asking me too much stuff, I might need to charge you for it. My, I can't just give you all of my brain dumps for free. That's what the podcast is for, but it's people will answer. And there's no shame in asking. And again, like, like Jacopo and like, I were saying like, I wish I'd asked. And so like, if I see someone younger asking me, I'm like, you brilliant, brilliant child. Yes. Even though you're not a child, but you know what I'm saying? But I think we've had guests that, you know, Pei also said that, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, if you have questions, email me. It doesn't mean that Pei will always have time. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think that people are there to really say, like, if you have questions, we don't want you to go through the pain that we went through because it was a lot of like, I don't know what's happening. Like, am I, you know, sometimes the problem is that you don't even know how to ask the question, which is like the problem in itself. It's like, I want this. How do I ask this question? Yeah. I do that all the time even now I'm just like how do I ask this question I've literally said so many times to people I'm like I don't know if this is a verb or a noun so I'm just gonna say it maybe (laughs) I'm saying it wrong and they're just like you're fine and I'm like okay I'm like does does that make sense to you and they were like yes and I was like okay great so we're gonna continue and they're like I got an answer for you and I was like really <laughs> like, yeah, that's like amazing. Well, because this is the thing about the creative industry too, is like we're all kind of excited to do creative new things. So like if I don't know, I also want to know. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. ask me a question, I don't know the answer to it. Like now I well, now I want to know the answer to it. What is the, you know, whatever for this gallery or this kind of installation? I want to know what the what you come up with. Um, which actually brings me to the other thing is how did you transition into being an art advisor because I love that. Uh, that came uh, quite naturally too, in the sense that I've always been passionate about art. Mm-hmm. It's always been, I've always been going to fairs, even though I did not have a role. I was just a visitor, you know, I've been um, starting by myself. I've been reading, I've been looking, you know, so I kind of trained my eye over the years and I'm not saying it's perfectly trained, of course, but it gave me a sort of a, a kind of an edge in like evaluating and looking at things. And then when I started buying for myself pieces of art, um, I think as everyone, um, I, I made mistakes, you know, and I, I bought things that I thought were right and, um, you know, they were not. And, um, you know, like it, it's been a struggle to just, just to come up with like a sense of what I really want to have, what I really like in art, which I think it's always a process. But that also, um, and I, you know, like sometimes I, I, I made money with buying some, some pieces of art. Sometimes I lost money, you know, and I, I just learned so much by doing it. And then it just came naturally the transition when I started like talking with friends and like my community. And so people, you know, they recognized that I had an eye that recognized that I had, you know, more experience than them. And so they started like asking me, um, you know, like, should I buy this? Should I not buy this? What do you think of this piece, etc. Et and, um, you know, I don't really specialize in contemporary art, for example. So I leave that to like galleries and dealers. I'm not a gallery. I'm not a dealer. Um, I just love art. You can art. send them my way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll send everybody exactly. else to you. That's yes. Yes. <laughs> So I'm purely an advisor in the sense that um, I just I, I just help 
evaluating and finding things, you know, but, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really, um, I don't, you know, I would never rap an artist, you know, that would not be something that I would want to do. It's literally just like talking with people that are passionate and providing them with possibilities that they might not be aware of. And just because I have such a curious eye. Yeah. So this is amazing. This is exactly what you were saying about how you're pursuing your passions always. And you're always curious and you're always, you know, the child on the playground. And this is what naturally comes of that, of like, of continuing those passions over the years and honing those skills and keeping those relationships. And now you have like a whole new, you know, passion and, you know, career on top yes. of what you already do and but it's great because you love it and yeah. that's you know pursuing those avenues it's just it's just proof in the pudding guys you just keep doing what you enjoy and yeah yeah it awesome. just happens it just happens so organically you know like i mean i was um yesterday night i was at dinner with a friend of mine and he's a creative director um he owns an agency and you just you know he just asked me you know i'm redoing my office and you know, I have these desks and these chairs and so on. And I'm looking for a sculpture and I want to put a painting. And we discuss paintings for like an hour. And you want something, you know, from the 16th or 17th century, like Italian Renaissance or, you know, that period. And so we're looking for options. And, and it just came out naturally, you know, because I love that period, you know, and I, I have pieces in my collection. And he was just like so curious. And, you know, he's a friend, but he also ended up being a customer in a way yeah. you know like he wants me to help him and and i'm glad to do that you know i love it yeah well yeah because you already have this trust and he knows you as a person and and as a professional and that's i mean those are the best client relationships i mean i think it can go two ways you can get the client and then have a good relationship and then you can become friends or you can be friends first totally yeah community guys that's very yeah. exciting <laughs> <laughs> you're so nerdy today I, I am i am very nerdy today i'm just well i'm excited about i think it's because i love talking about community and connection because it served me so well throughout my career like about the people i know and the you know just i'm in so many different areas of my life i'm the person someone's like hey do you know someone who can do this do you know someone who can do that or like i'm whatever and like they come to me and the answer is usually yeah like i do <laughs> and i've got the person and it's it's just fun and it's and it's great and i you know i really love and it's it takes so little effort on my part and i get such a big reward emotionally from it and it's just great to like and like especially when it's you know someone's like oh like i'm looking for an art piece i'm looking for a contemporary piece i've got it i have a space in my dining room and i'm like great like let's figure it out like I'm getting the art anyways. I love this, doing this stuff. And, um, and it's just, it's really fun. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't take a picture. I can't paint a painting. I can't, you know, I'm not an <laughs> artist myself, but I love, I love being around it. And it's, I love knowing and talking to different people, obviously podcast season four, halfway through. Um, it's, you know, it's very, it's very fulfilling and, so I do, I get excited when I, you know, hear other people who are also <laughs> excited about the things I'm excited about. It just compounds my excitement oh, yeah. and I'm just going through the roof. Also, I'm on my second cup of coffee. Hey. <laughs> I think one thing that is uh, reoccurring what we've talked about today is connecting the dots. I think Jacobo has, so, has said it happened organically. And I think when we're young, 
we think like there's only one path or there's only one route that we have to get to this one destination and you have this tunnel vision it's like if I didn't get there I'm not successful I don't know if you felt that way I definitely for a very long time was like you defined this like mystical idea of what success is which like probably doesn't actually even exist welcome to art school yeah. If you're going to art school, whatever your definition of success is that being repped by pace is going to probably not happen. <laughs> um, but, but then so organically, because you follow your interests, hopefully, and you're able to go and find a community that's very supportive of you, you're able to go and connect the dots. And, all, and then you look back and it's like, well, obviously that so naturally should have been that path. Hindsight 2020. <laughs> but, then, but then you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't have been able to go and identify that if, if you're just so single-minded to think it's like, I have to just get repped by pace. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're making, yeah, like a, a great point. Um, when I started, there was a lot of insecurity about who you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to be going. And, you know, being a photographer, it's kind of similar to being an artist. I mean, you're right by agents, you know, you get hired, um, you know, your work is for sale in a way. And so there's so much insecurity uh, around that and a lot of comparison, which is also really toxic sometimes. You know, you just compare other people's successes and why they're they doing that, why you know, that agent is interested in them and not me. Um, and a lot of these barriers um, got demolished over the last few years. So the entry into the industry is a lot easier, you know, and before it, there was a whole process, you would have to be an assistant for like, you know, five, 10 years to a big photographer. And then you, you would have enough connections to start on your own, etc. But yeah, I remember having a lot of insecurities about who I was supposed to be. And that also because I started, a, you know, like, as a photographer without knowing anyone in the industry. And so I started as a complete novice, you know, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, um, my family has a different background, um, friends are different, like really, nobody really helped me at the beginning, you know, so I had no freaking idea what I was doing, which was great, like was good and bad, you know, um, I think I just took a leap of faith and it, it took a lot of courage and just like, I don't know what I'm doing, I'll do it anyways. And then at the same time, I wish I had more knowledge of what I was doing because it would have saved me years. <laughs> right. uh, but but at the same time, I, I think it's I think it's great to like really appreciate. But I can say it only now after ten years. Uh, but appreciate the journey and wherever that takes you, because I didn't know it was gonna take me into the art world now. But I'm happy to do it, and it's just giving me you know it's giving me pleasure. And you know you might have some goals and objectives that are reachable and some others that are not reachable but you should be happy about successes that you're able to achieve anyways and, and not get too fixated on a single goal because it will ruin you you know you'll be so obsessed about that single thing that might not happen for whatever reason um, and then you just lose sight of all the good things smaller good things that are happening around you so right. it's, it's really just enjoy the journey for sure. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're so hyper-focused, you can lose so many opportunities along the way because you think it's not on the path that you need to be on. Yeah. Guys, comparison is the thief of joy. It's so hard, but it's also so hard to, I mean, I see curators and art dealers who are placing things. I'm like, oh, I wish I had that client. I wish I had that show. Why don't I have that? Still, I'm doing that now. I'm not, you know, but I could at least be like, no, I've done this. I've done that. I've 
have, you know, I have, I love my clients. I love my jobs, but it is hard to not see, but then you also, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know their path and their journeys and it hurts to, it hurts to compare, but exactly. Like I, I came very similar, not from an art background. My family was not in the arts, So I came out completely cold, but in stumbling through the first, you know, 10 years of my career, you know, the people I learned, met the, you know, the mistakes I made informed decisions I made later because I didn't know I wasn't on the quote unquote right path. Um, jobs I took that I didn't even know existed that I, you know, I'm so grateful to have had that I would never have dreamed of because I didn't even know it was there. And it's, it's just so good to be open because yeah, if you're not turning these things down, you just don't know where it's going to go, especially in the creative industries and the arts. It's just yeah. it's so exciting. So tell us what you're doing now. Uh, yeah. So basically my art advisory is shaping into something more of a shoppable collection, which will live online. And so it's, it's a combination of my collecting over the years and the ability for people to sort of join the club and appreciate these pieces and eventually buy them and purchase them. Um, but it's something that I love to do it on the side. Um, so it doesn't really bring me any income. Um, it will, I mean, it might bring me income, but it's really like a passion. So it's sort of uh, my idea of having a small community of people that love art as much as I do and that love to look at these pieces and eventually to have them, one of them in their houses and all of these pieces that I will be putting into this shoppable collections are tied by a very special um, theme, which is they have a beautiful story behind. And so most of them are historical. There is very few, very, very few um, contemporary pieces. And, but there is a beautiful story behind each of them. And it might be, you might not even know the author. They might be anonymous you know, but the stories are just amazing. It might be the person who's portrayed or it might be like the reason why uh, it's unfinished or the reason why it has been um, scratched or it's been broken and fixed it again. But they all share a beautiful story behind. So. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm such a sucker. Me too. Story. I was I like, know. I want to sign up. I'll I be know. in your community. Oh my god, that'll be awesome. Yeah, the best stuff. It's the, the best. This is what we live for, man. I love this stuff. hundred percent. And what have you been watching, reading, or listening to this week? Uh, I tend to have a lot of books around me, and sometimes I don't finish them. Um, a couple that I've been um, reading where um, the way of the Tao, which is yeah. all about you know the, the Chinese Tao, which I read many years ago and I don't know why I picked it up again. I think it's great; it has so many great insights. And then um, I've also been reading um, a beautiful book that I bought a while ago, which is um, I remember the title, but it's the story of the Eskenazi Gallery. Um, which deals in Asian art and, um, you know, they happen to be of Iranian descendants, but also Italian. And it's a beautiful story of the whole gallery, how they started and so on. I was really into Asian art lately for some reason. So I just read these books. And then I read another book, which, uh, which I don't remember the title of this one too, uh, but it's the story of Sakamoto Goro, which is this incredible Japanese art dealer. Um, 
who started as um, a nobody really, and then started just buying pieces and became one of the most uh, well-regarded, prominent Japanese dealers of you know antiques and, and and pottery and so on. And it's a very fascinating story because he was literally a nobody, and uh, he just started making so many mistakes. And you go through the book, and it's it's a book of mistakes basically, and it, and it's beautiful. And even though he made so many mistakes, he still became an amazing dealer, probably the number one in Japan. And so many accomplishments. And so it's very inspiring. Incredible. Cool. We'll have all of that in the podcast notes. And in the meantime, if people wanted to find you on the interwebs, where can they locate you? I would say um, Instagram or Twitter. Or, I mean, I have my own website for photography. But yeah, Instagram or Twitter at Jakob Muskin. Perfect. I am at Hide or Die everywhere, guys. Alexa side. I am at To Practice Practice. Uh, and thank you again, Jacopo. And until next time, guys, bye. 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 Thank you. Bye.